A Tricky Kid Media Original, distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Prince, the Encore, an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, where we honor the life and legacy of our greatest inspiration, Prince. What was once a yearly special is now a monthly venture into the vault of his royal badness. Join us for a people's history and hear from those who knew him best, plus fan stories from all over the world and more. And now your host, filmmaker, DJ, and Prince Scholar, Roy Turner. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to a very special presentation of this week, this month, I should say, of our Prince the Encore. Uh, we're going to be exploring the uh, the Welcome to America album that came out earlier this year, back in July, and uh, which was the first Prince record, the first complete uh, posthumous uh, Prince record. Everything else so far has been, um, you know, kind of uh, like super editions and, and and you know re-releases that sort of thing. This was actually the, the very very first one. Uh, and like in the world of Prince, uh, it was mysteriously shelved uh, way back uh, in 2011 for whatever reason. So what we're going to do is give you a people's history to walk you through that era. And we're going to do it in two parts. Basically, we're going to do the mainly part one is going to be this year, the events that happened in 2010, uh, which is the, the formation of the band he recorded it with, the recordings, um, some of the shows, some of the things that went along with it. And then in 2011, we're going to get into primarily, uh, in part two, primarily the tour and a lot of the things that, uh, that happened through there. And what, what, what I aim to do here is, again, is give you a people's history. Uh, I'm going to disclaim a couple of things before we get started just so you can kind of get a bit of a roadmap so you can understand what we're doing. Um, I should say this first, is that the official uh, Prince podcast has already done a magnificent four-part series on this that walks you through a lot of great stuff. And this is by no means to compete with that or or borrow from that, even though there's going to be a couple little little things that we're going to include. If, if anything else, this is a plug for that, and I encourage you to check that out. Uh, but what we want to do is do something different because we're not just going to, you know, I'm not saying this is what they did. I'm saying, but we're not just going to spout, you know, Wikipedia facts as I like to always disclaim. <clears throat> I'm somebody that was there. I was there uh, for the early New York shows. I was there for the press uh, conference when he announced the tour at the Apollo Theater in New York. I was at almost every single one of the, the, uh, the 21 nights uh, during this era in Los Angeles. And there's just a lot of great stories that you're just not going to, you know, that are that are only mine really to tell. Uh, the tour was unfortunately plagued with a lot of cancellations and and a lot of uh, a lot of estrangements. And we're going to get into some really, really weird shit um, that you may not hear anywhere else. In fact, I can guarantee you in part two, there's going to be a story that has never been told. So that's why it will only will be here. Uh, we're going to be joined by a lot of great guests. Uh, Maya McLean, you know, one half of her and her sister, uh, Nandy, were, of course, the twins uh, that were a part of this era of Prince. 
and two of my favorite people uh, in the world that are part of this great Prince Collective that we like to call the Purple Avengers. Uh, my gal, D'Angela Duff, uh, and is going to talk about the part of the American tour. Uh, and then Edgar Cruz, uh, who is uh, from... <clears throat> Uh, my man Edgar is Dutch, and uh, he has been going to Prince shows, uh, gosh, I think since the beginning, <laughs> in the early 80s. And uh, he was at a lot of very, very pertinent, they're all special, and they're all great, uh, but he was at some very key shows there. And he uh, offers some invaluable insight to what we're doing here. So that's what we want to do. We want, you know, it's, it's cool to have the thing like the Prince podcast did with the actual musicians that were there and forming it and coming from that arc. But this is the people's history. This was the people that were at the shows, and and, and um, people like me that were, you know, kind of kind of traversing uh, around that time and, and kind of offering that bit of an insight. So uh, we're gonna get into it. So strap on your purple headphones because uh, we're about to take a ride here. This is gonna be a lot of fun, and and I'm I'm grateful for you guys joining us here. Um, again, the Prince the Encore is something that we we do as a special thing. Uh, monthly, and so to be able to give you two episodes this month uh, is a great, great, great treat uh, for us. And so, hope you guys are enjoying it. So, uh, if you haven't heard the Welcome to America uh, album, you're also going to be hearing some songs uh, on this part and part two, and also maybe some recordings that you haven't heard if you have heard the album. So, anyway, let's go ahead and get right into it. So the very first thing, the roots of Welcome to America, that was, I guess you could say, was when Prince reached out to this extremely talented bass player uh, named Tall Wilkenfeld. And she is incredible. She's played with Jeff Beck and all these people. Young gal, good looking, great player, fantastic. And, you know, Prince has always tried to surround himself, uh, you know, primarily, you know, uh, with with women, strong women uh, in his band, in his management, in his production teams. That's just that's just I'm the same way. I was raised by my mother and four sisters. If I were to put together a production team, which I haven't done and with my film crews and things like that, it's got to be honest. It's primarily women. It's who I get along with. It's who, who inspires me the most. It's just so I always kind of felt kind of connected to him uh, in that regard because I get it, you know. And, uh, and that was as far back as 2008. And so here's a part where it will also might encourage you to check out, again, uh, the Prince podcast hosted by the great Andrea Swinson. She's this great uh, music journalist based in Minneapolis. So she's kind of the official voice of, of Prince uh, stuff, uh, uh, you know, emanating from that area worldwide. She's kind of like the, the Barbara Walters of, of that. And anyway, so I'm going to let... So, uh, Tal told the story a little bit there, so I thought that would be kind of a, a good place to start. So you're going to hear it from Tal directly. This is actually from the Prince Podcast, Episode 1. John Blackwell gave him my number after Prince saw me playing on TV with Jeff Beck. And then Prince called me and the first question wasn't, how are you? It was, do you like the drum rolls of Jack DeJunette? And I was like, of course I do. 
And we, we became friends after that. <laughs> he said, okay, I want you to find me a drummer, this trio together. So I called a few drummers up. Chris Coleman was one of them and then... So I get a random text message from Tall. You know, then, you know, that he sent three different drummers to him and he ended up choosing me. So to reiterate that timeline, um, it was even like a year later, uh, a full year later, where this was still on his mind. And he asked that she heard her say uh, to get her to recruit a drummer. I mean, she's a bass player. She needs to find her own rhythm section. I thought that was pretty cool. And of course, she finds Chris Coleman. And so this is around November of 2009. There's this little trio happening uh, with Tall and Chris uh, and Prince. So by the time we get to now in 2010, okay, uh, by that March, he, he had, he was ready to go. He was set to record, uh, and the bulk of the album was recorded with just the three of them in about a week and a half. Of course, they're at Paisley Park, uh, from the actual dates actually are from March 10th to March 19th, about nine days there. Uh, and then later that spring, that's kind of when he started doing the vocals. And there's a lot of great vocals on this record. Um, I have actually have been outspoken. Uh, I should disclaim this too, whatever. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of this record. And I'm going to tell you right now, I can completely see perhaps why this might have been shelved. Um, I also kind of feel like that it's like one of those things where, you know, like you have like the movie where, uh, let's say like the movie, what is it? The, the movie with, I think it's called Ghost with Demi Moore and um, Patrick Swayze. Like imagine, just let's have some fun here. Just imagine some lighthearted fun scenario of of like that. And Prince picks up what the estate now thinks would be Welcome to America. And I just can't help but think he would go, yeah, that song wouldn't have been on it. Nah, I wouldn't have done that one. Uh, there's three more you left off. You, you, you know, I don't know. There's something about the configuration that I, I I didn't trust. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's nitpicking. That's not the point. The point is, I just didn't find the songs to be up to his uh, standards. Uh, I mean, they sound, but that is but that doesn't mean that there's not some great moments on this. Because I mean, it, we are talking about a Prince record. So when I say that it, I didn't care for it as a whole, I'm only comparing this to his other works. If this was the only Prince album I'd ever heard or ever existed, it would still be pretty great. So that's kind of how that goes. So that's kind of what we're talking about there. Uh, but and we'll get into like, you know, the, the title track and why and how this all came to be in, in here in just a little bit. But um, uh, anyway, so they, they got that done in the early part of March. So, you know, in the world of Prince, what's so strange is you probably, if you're a Prince fan, you always would hear him say that he was always a year ahead. Like when he was releasing the Parade record, he was already knee-deep into what became all that Sound of the Times. The same way, by the time around the world in the day, he was already, you know, a year ahead. This is no different. Here he, he just finished recording this project in March called Welcome to America, but he's about to start a tour... <laughs> for an album that hasn't come out yet uh, called, of course, 2010. Uh, he had finished recording 
in February. So he wraps that in February of 2010 and immediately in March records the other one. Welcome to America. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then, so then he's going to now, you know, release 2010 in the year, you know, uh, 2010 uh, and also have its own, own tour. And so, therefore, Welcome to America didn't just, didn't take a back seat. I don't think. I just think it was just going to be. It was coming. You know what I mean? It was. It was still to be. So, what did he do between March of when he finished recording Welcome to America, and then June, when? Forgive me, July, of when 2010 album and tour kicked off. Uh, uh, in Denmark, by the way, which we're going to get to. What did he do? What where where are those months? You know, was he recording another record? He you know because you have to just imagine that. I mean, Prince isn't had no life outside of this. This is he was either recording or he was performing. That's what he did. Literally, he was music. So you have to think to yourself, man. March, April, May, June, July. That's four months. You know, it wasn't like he was in Hawaii. He went on vacation. And this is what I mean. How this is the stuff that you're, that, you know, Prince fanatics will love that you're probably not going to hear on a show like the Prince podcast because it's, it's just one of those things that only obsessives and it's just it really doesn't really lend itself to the story. I just like to be complete, and I know that our listeners do too. So check this out. Here's what he was doing. He was having fun with what he was doing, <laughs> but he was, you know, he was gearing up. He was getting it together. Uh, <clears throat> On May 3rd of 2010, and this is one of those cool things, I guess, you know, that living in, in Minneapolis or near him or anywhere, like like growing up here, I got to see a lot of like shows from like, you know, Pantera and a lot of, you know, whatever local band that's needing to do, you know, wanting to play some, you know, a big band that could play a much larger venue, but not, not as part of a tour, just wanting to jam and you're in proximity. So that's the benefit of being in Minneapolis. And it would have paid dividends if you were at this little place called Bunkers on May the 3rd uh, of that year as his band, him Prince and his band just showed up, <clears throat> came in, and set in all night long. Uh, the band reportedly was considered, of course, uh, was Margie Cox uh, on vocals, Billy Friends on guitar, Dave and Nania on drums, actually, um, uh, Johannes Tona on bass, uh, Bill Brown on keyboards, uh, and Mark Lichtig was also was singing. Uh, I think he was also part of the house band there. And this also kind of lends itself to of thinking of, well, gosh, if he couldn't play these songs live, because I think that maybe Tao and maybe even Chris Coleman also had um, other obligations. And we'll get into that as well. Okay, but this jam also had, uh, you know, it, it had a point to it because... Him and the band were flying out the next day to be part of this this huge event for Time Magazine's 100 issue. Uh, and it was just, just called the Time 100 Gala. The band that he took to New York, like I said, was a little bit different from the band he was sitting in with. Uh, but, of course, he had Cora Coleman Dunham on drums, uh, Josh Dunham uh, also on bass, and then, you know, longtime mainstay Morris Hayes on keyboards, along with Cassandra uh, and of course, and then Shelby J was a part of this, as well as Liv Warfield, who was some people he recorded some from the Welcome to America record with. So this is kind of a Welcome to America band, and this is kind of the, their debut in a sense. 
they only played four songs. Okay. Uh, the the time with Hunter of course is this, was this invitation only super exclusive gala. Uh, Taylor Swift was even there and way back in two thousand and ten. Um, uh, comedian uh, Andy Samberg was the host of the evening, and Prince was actually introduced by Elton John. And what was pretty cool though is that he also did a little rehearsal uh, earlier. Uh, at the great club, I didn't live too far from there when I was living in New York, called the Village Underground. And uh, the four songs he played, the first two, I think, were just you know were, were, were thought to be just jams because there's not really too much of any recordings out there that I've heard. Uh, but he did Angel and then Baby Love uh, as the last two songs. And like I said before, my man was born to play. This is what he did. This is what he did with his band. If you thought you were going to New York and going to perform with Prince and then maybe after hit the Statue of Liberty and, and be a tourist, forget it. You're there to play, man. And since he was at the Village Underground and that's where he had used the spot to, to rehearse, after the Time 100 Gala, him and the band returned there, okay? And he joined the house band on stage about halfway through uh, Prince got up and played guitar. He didn't sing, all right? Uh, and there will be, you know, there was, you know, a few songs they kicked into. That Of course, they did I Feel For You uh, with Shelby, Elisa, and Liv. He had three great female singers. That's a perfect song to do that with. Uh, Controversy. And then about around I'll Never Be Another Fool, he split. Now, keep in mind, this, they didn't even show up until after 1 o'clock in the morning, all right? Uh, and then Shelby did some sort of like kind of rappy kind of thing. And then, and then they kind of did this kind of jazzy version of get off. And, and, and that was it. And about a month later, he flies back to New York, which what we kind of seem to think now is that this is where he was starting to put things in place, uh, for what was to come. Because one thing about welcome to America tour, it was very New York centric. He, he announced a tour at the Apollo theater. The first shows were in the New York area. He did many, many several shows there throughout the tour. Uh, and this is kind of where it happens. And if you're going to do a, a, something that's like welcome to America, which kind of seemed almost like a sequel in a sense, now that we know it now to sign of the times as being this very political heavy, uh, very current, uh, almost kind of a bitter outlook on what things have have become and have changed to, and it's it's not pleasant. Uh, it's it's very dark actually. Um, almost sarcastic in nature to say like "Welcome to America." So anyway, so uh, he flies back on June sixteenth, and Larry Graham's band happens to be at BB King's there in Times Square. And Prince jumps up and jams with him. On, of course, one of Prince's favorite Sly and the Family Stone songs, uh, Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again. And then he finds himself back in New York 12 days later. Who knows if he ever actually left uh, to attend the BET Awards, which, of course, he was given a Lifetime Achievement Award. I would like to say that um, I do believe the future is in good hands. I'm just so thankful to be a part
part of this world of music. There's a change in America that's going on right now, and everybody can feel it, and we're going to be the beacon to the rest of the world. The first time we're seeing what eventually was the cover to the actually album 2010 that was set to come out a few weeks later. Uh, because as he takes the stage, this is what he's wearing. I mean, the, the custom clothes that he's wearing, we learn later, is the album cover. As docile as sometimes how he could appear when he could be so loud with his music. But, but then when he actually would, would speak, he would speak very, very softly and very quietly and, and somewhat almost painfully shy speaking into a room full of people. And maybe it was just the humbleness of, of, of being honored and this was his way of being moved. I mean, this was a big deal. He's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. But the most striking thing, I think, is that you sense uh, a seriousness in his voice. He's, he mentioned that there's a change happening in America and so this is where you're really starting. The reason why I, I've included this is because this is the, the first example, really, I feel, of to, where I'm trying to illustrate what his mindset was like. Do you understand? Of why he was about to create a, an album called Welcome to America that we later learn what the contents are and, and what the topics are and what the whole theme of the whole thing is. Um, you know, 2010 is the beginning of a decade. I know it's easy for us to older people to forget that because, you know, when we think of 1980 is the beginning of something, 1990 was the beginning of something, 2000 was the beginning of a millennium, of a new millennium. But I swear to you, it was like 2012 uh, before I even realized that, oh, yeah, wait, we've actually have entered into uh, a, a new decade. Uh, so I think that sort of thing is actually important. I think it's it's, it's vital. It was it was uh, the start of a new decade. He was feeling something. We were all feeling something, and I feel like that that's what was inspiring uh, the lyrics and the theme and everything else. And it's and it starts really right there. On one hand, he's wearing the clothes of an album that hasn't even come out yet, but yet in his mind, he's already on to the next thing. And again. Unable to resist being able to play, and I, I, I or not wanting to resist playing, and Princess loved that thing where just to show up somewhere and just jam and make it real. I mean, he, of course, legendarily he would do it on his own tours. He'd play the big hall uh, in downtown, and then hey, and then he'd show up somewhere in the wee hours and just jam. And I was been very fortunate to attend very, very many of those. Several of those uh, in many cities and, uh, and even countries around the world. Uh, very fortunate in that regard. Uh, and this night was no different. Except I wasn't there. <laughs> this time. And he shows up uh, at the Soho House in West Hollywood, California. Uh, and as far as we know, he just showed up uh, and also did controversy. And if anything else uh, he played, it's not known or wasn't recorded. I would love to know... Anybody out there that knows, hit me up. I would love to, to, to fill in the blanks there. And my dude gets around, man. Three days later, he finds himself in Paris, which was thought to be that's where he and the band were rehearsing uh, for uh, some of the festival appearances they were making because he's not really one to, you know, to, to make festival appearances. He's Prince. He's, he does... Uh, you know his own thing, and and he can play the the giant stadium himself. He doesn't have to be a part of that. So, um, and again, unable to resist. Uh, if you were lucky enough to be there on July first in Paris, 
he jumped on stage with none other than Stevie Wonder, him and Sheila E. Both, who was there, like I said, was thought that, that they were there to rehearse for the upcoming shows. At the Palais Omnisports uh, de Paris uh, Brisset there in, in Paris. And he got up and did with Stevie's signature song, Superstition, and played guitar on Soul Power. Uh, and three days later, the tour begins at the Roskilde Festival, one of the, one of the largest uh, and most prestigious and, and famous festivals in the world uh, there in Denmark. And uh, on the 4th of July, man, and we're going to get into that as like the very first full-fledged performance uh, right after this. And you're going to hear from some more special guests. And we had a, we have so much to get into. So I hope you've enjoyed this first part that leads up to everything. And now we're going to start with the actual first performance. Uh, is technically the 2010 tour which that album is about to come out uh, at about a week after this performance. But this is kind of, you'll be able to see what we know now. This is where it all kind of starts right here. And we're going to jump into it right after this. Part of the Tricky Kid Media Network and distributed by iHeartRadio and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, so I mentioned special guests. Well, we got one coming up here. Uh, so listeners of this show, I hope you guys know, of course, I'm a part of this thing called the Purple Avengers, uh, which is, of course, inspired by, obviously, Prince the Encore saying that we are, we are the Encore. That's why I named the show this. And and uh, I made the joke about uh, there's a couple of guys in Europe, uh, Edgar, Edgar Cruz and a great DJ out of the UK called DJ UMB. And they assembled all these people, uh, like myself, these scholars. And I just made a joke. I said, hey, it's the Purple Avengers. And it just stuck. So anyway, I uh, am fortunate to have him. I've been wanting him to have him to come on the show here. Check out the mega threads that, that we do on Twitter where they um, just pick an album and, or a theme or an era and just really take these great deep dives. And I've had a lot of fun being a part of that. Anyway, uh, DJ UMB was actually at Roskilde, and not to mention he was there performing. So I couldn't think of anybody better to, to chime in here uh, that was not only there as a fan, but also a performer to kind of give you a kind of a boots on the ground uh, sense of what it was like to be there and what, you know, from that perspective, what his mindset might have been. Here's DJ UMB. In Europe, it's a highly regarded festival. And uh, I got a complete, I was completely surprised when I was invited to play. Obviously, I was making a bit of a name for myself in, uh, in and around that period. And I received an email from Roskilde uh, asking me if I wanted to participate um, uh, in their festival and DJ on one of the nights. The build-up to the festival date, uh, I was playing on the Friday, which would have made it the 2nd of July. I think it was a couple of weeks or a month or so before the festival dates, uh, well, before the festival commenced, Prince was added, and that just was the icing on the cake. So, I mean, I was really looking forward to it. You know, I did my gig on the 2nd, you know, couple of hundred people in the audience and within 10 minutes I'd filled up the tent to over 6,000 screaming kids 
going absolutely nuts to what I was playing. So uh, that was a highlight. You know, it was my sort of superstar DJ moment. I headed off uh, to go and see him on the Sunday night. And there was a press pit adjacent to the stage with a bunch of journalists sitting and waiting. Uh, and I, I initially, I sat there for a little while. And then just before Prince was about to start, I kind of daredeviled my way to the stage managed to get on and watched him backstage for a little while before I uh, went back to the uh, press pit. You know, he kicked off the set with Venus de Milo. It was beautiful. And I wish he'd maintained that moment and just carried on just on the piano by himself. But, you know, I, I it wasn't vintage Prince for me. There was something missing. I mean, Sheila E was there as well. First time I'd seen her since the 80s. She was on percussion. Um, and I was excited about that, but there was still something missing from that gig. You know, it was a bit of a lacklustre performance, it was a bit muted, he wasn't that energetic, he wasn't moving around stage much. Maybe the worst Prince gig in my catalogue of, or in my list of Prince gigs, it would probably appear at the bottom of that list. Uh, there were still moments within his set which were wonderful, beautiful moments. There were a lot of firsts the first time, He'd ever performed a cover of Bill Withers' Lean On Me, a memory I will treasure forever. I will never forget that gig for a multitude of different reasons, the personal connections, my own performance, but mainly because of the excitement I had when I realised that Prince was, you know, take, had taken top billing. Much thanks to my man DJ UMB uh, for chiming in there and giving us some, some great and valuable insight there. Uh, and just the very next day, as this tour makes its way to Berlin uh, for an incredibly lengthy show, it was almost lasted almost three hours long. This is still five days before the album 2010 even comes out, but it's the very, very first time that he performs Hot Summer, which is, of course, part of the Welcome to America. And keep in mind, 2010's already done and finished, so you can't, you can't blend those together like you could like a like a parade uh dream factory sign of the times type kind of deal you know what i mean um and he also debuted and uh, you know a song from 2010 for the first time the song act of god so you can see how he's just kind of juggling these two things you know on one hand he's got 2010 it's about to come out you know in five more days and again he's already on to the next thing and already thinking about this trio and trying out huts he does inside of when you were mine which he's kind of known to do that like if he's going to try out a new song uh like the first time he did it he would do it as part of a of a medley of another song like hey here's the song i'm gonna try to slide something in the middle there and so finally, by July the 10th, uh, the album 2010 is finally released. And as the tour hits Belgium for a, a very spirited show uh, there again on July the 10th, um, funny enough, he actually didn't attempt uh, to do Hot Summer at this show. But there was, a, <laughs> uh, I would be remiss as a Van Halen uh, fanatic. I, I love Van Halen as much as I love Prince. And as I'm looking at my office, I'm looking to my left to my Prince posters. And in front of me is my whole Van Halen museum-ish type kind of thing. Uh, the, at this during sound check, just for fun, he actually uh, did Van Halen's jump. <laughs> I don't know if there's any known recording of him ever doing that or any other Van Halen song. But I would, again, I would be remiss. But yeah, finally, July the 10th sees the release, of course, of, of 2010. 
as you know, it was done as a cover mount for a magazine and kind of given out and that sort of deal. Uh, so a very interesting time for him and clearly in the mood to celebrate uh, the release of the record. Uh, of course, he finds himself wanting to do uh, an after show somewhere. And again, I would be remiss to talk about just the chaos that plagued this time, this album, this cycle, everything. Uh, it all kind of <laughs> went, the shit hit the fan at this one. Man, there's, maybe you've heard about this, maybe you haven't. Um, this was a little nuts. Now, first of all, his idealism about how to do these after shows anyway one it's very very hard i mean could you imagine this is the reason why you don't see a lot of people doing these just for the logistics of it imagine somebody as big as like prince now if there is such, such a thing what if the stone decided they just wanted to go to a local bar i mean it would the people that would descend upon it would just it would create more problems than than worth and, and r real problems where real people could get hurt so he, he has to endure that but also in his mind he has this idea of like oh i want to do it Let's go there. Let's put together a show with a ticket price and an on-sale time and everything in an instant. Why can't this happen? So when you live in the Prince bubble, it's like you might have heard Kevin Smith say this a little bit in his. Uh, he was uh, when he was talking about the time he spent with him was that you have to understand that when you're in Prince world, he, he doesn't quite get why things can't happen. He, he's capable of so much. He has so much resource. Don't tell me. And people don't want to be able to tell him no, right? Well, anyway, well, maybe they should have more than they, than they did. But anyway, the point is, um, they were going to do after show following this gig. Uh, there wasn't any great venues. Uh, he had a bunch of, you know, different venues scouted and, and things. Um, but again, like I said, like, you know, he procrastinated. If you're actually going to do this, you had to pull the plug on this way before you, you know you can't just do it on a whim or things like this are going to happen um and it was well after midnight before he decided he wanted to do it uh and viage in brussels had the the best offer of of the other venues that he had going on so tickets go on sale uh and the venue ended up having to convince him to lower the price a little bit because they're originally like over a hundred euros like it's like 125 euros and people were not even let in till 3.30 a.m. But don't take my word for it because, again, the two uh, conspirators uh, the, of the, the masterminds behind the, uh, the, the Purple Avengers and these Prince Mega Threads. I mentioned, of course, DJ UMB, who you just heard from, and, of course, the main man, uh, Edgar Cruz, who he was actually at that insane after party there in Brussels. This is Edgar Cruz. So when the shows were announced for the summer of 2010, I was excited. I had not been to any of the other European shows, so the last time I had seen him was almost eight years prior. I went to Werchter, Belgium, the day 2010 was released. It was fun to see all a lot of Dutch people stopping at gas stations to pick up newspapers with a free CD, as it was only available in Belgium at that time. The show itself was marred with rain, but when they lit up the sky, purple, that was also doing purple. And afterwards we raced towards Brussels, where an after show was to take place. And it was a bit... Now that after show was a bit of a mess. There were rumors about an after show all day, uh, somewhere in Belgium. It could. The after show eventually went through. It was Prince that gave to go at one o'clock at night. Um, and, and I got a text from a friend of mine uh, from the uh, Damn It Ain't Over forum, who said to me, look, there's going to be something 
probably it at Club Viage in, in Brussels. After show itself was a bit of a disappointment. It was basically a Larry Graham and Graham Central Station show with Prince. It also should be said that this was a brand new venue that just opened in May. So maybe they didn't quite know what was going on. But getting in and out of this was a total shit show. A glass panel on the escalator broke, which actually caused real injury to a few patrons. None of the venue staff was able to, to provide any sort of medical attention. Not even a first aid kit was present. I mean, they did not have their shit together like at all. Other pet people fell off the escalator. Uh, that was stopped and turned back on. Also, people lining up uh, first were actually the last to let <laughs> to be let in. Uh, uh, imagine that. And I've gone. That's actually kind of part of the fun. If you're young and and don't care, is the you know the adventure of of okay. And I've done it. Trust me, I'm a Prince fanatic. Obviously, where we heard and we got words. Good word. He was playing here, and we're gonna go through all the doldrums. But I've also, I will say, sometimes have said fuck this and and no thanks. But which is kind of crazy because if anybody is actually worth this. It would be him because these shows are just, they're one of a kind. They're unbelievable. You're never going to get the chance again. So that's also why pe people go through this kind of shit. Um, anyway, and there's a few things uh, uh, to mention about this was it was the live de debut of Future Soul Song from 2010. This is also Prince's last full set that he ever did with Larry Graham in Grand Central Station. So, you know, a lot of a lot of history there. So he this is how he celebrated when 2010 came out. He does the show, then finds himself with this af after, uh, you know, craziest after show in Belgium. They're in Brussels and literally, literally like tore that town a new one for sure. All right, so moving on, okay? So after that happens, there still seems to be this thing that, that permeates this tour in this time where something bad happens and something great comes out of it, which I really feel like it, you know, I'm saying this a lot to stress it because I feel like it really informed the lyrics and, and what shaped the project of, of, of the Welcome to America record. For example, uh, after that whole kind of fiasco there on the release date, uh, July 10th and July the 11th, uh, he only manages to do uh, just two more shows, three in total actually, on this 2010 kind of kind of leg here. Uh, he manages to do Vienna uh, and Lisbon and Portugal, but a bunch more shows. On the 13th, he did Vienna. On the 18th, he did Lisbon. That's five days apart. Lots of shows were canceled, including the one on July 23rd, in Geneva. On the 25th in Nice, he, mercifully this leg comes to an end. But something happens there on the 23rd that's definitely worth mentioning. And when I say 23rd, I mean in the middle of the night. <laughs> and uh, I remember what I said before about basing, like, like you know, being basing in an area and then touring to these or traveling to these festivals. It seemed like it seemed like he had chosen Paris as his base uh, because on this night uh, he decided to do a, a, an after party. They didn't travel to Geneva, uh, Switzerland, because again, because the show had been canceled. So he was in Paris and wanting to play. So it was clear that he was there and had been there. So I guess after not learning his lesson from Belgium, 
the show was announced as the show called NPG Plus Guest in the late afternoon on July 22nd. Okay. He has uh, his booking agent, Alfred Bernadine, book a club called the New Morning Club, which he'd played before and had rehearsed there and stuff there in Paris. And earlier that day, by the way, kind of worth mentioning, Booker T and the MGs had performed at that club. It's called New Morning. Uh, Erica Badu was actually uh, announced a guest. And I tried, Erica lives here in Dallas, and we've been trying to connect. I promise you. I guarantee you at some point we're going to have Erica because Erica plays a major role in a lot of events that happen here, especially when we get to 2011, especially around the Super Bowl. So I don't know if, if I'll have her in time for that, but I guarantee you she will be here at some point. We've been missing each other. So anyway, uh, she was announced as guesting on the show, um, but she hung out for like an hour. And he never said anything. So she was like, I mean, she is Erica Badu. She's not gonna, just going to sit around and wait. So she was like, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to go. Um, so she, you know, left and took off. The original set list for the show was very different than what actually ended up happening at the show. And it was largely due to some a lot of guitar problems uh, he was having um, during Beautiful Strange in particular did sound check and during the show so it was changed up quite a bit but the big deal here and this is what reason why i'm mentioning this is reason why it's so significant is that on one hand you have the bad thing you know geneva gets canceled tar problems all kinds of crazy shit um but this show clocked in at 225 minutes uh which ended up being uh the actually the longest show prince ever played in his entire life I mean, that's almost four hours, man. And, you know, he, he, he could go all night, you know. And, uh, and man, the set list is just crazy. I just kind of wanted to go through a few things. Like, I'm looking at this uh, to myself. You know, he played, you know, he played Radical Man and When Will, when will We Be Paid. Uh, just all the deep cut stuff. I mean, he did a few things like Kiss and Cream, but he did, like, The Ride uh, how come you don't call me anymore? Uh, even purple music into all the critics love you, love you, and and just just one of those just incredibly you know unforgettable nights. Uh, Future Soul Song makes another appearance and everything else, but uh, but uh, also there weren't any mics for Morris Hayes and and Cora Coleman. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm sorry. There weren't any mics for for Morris Hayes. So Cora Coleman held Prince's mic during the piano setup uh, to still waiting. Uh, and Prince uh, actually had a woman from the audience to replace her so Cora could go perform and play the drums during Future Soul Song. So just one of those crazy, crazy nights. And again, then two days later, uh, where it kind of began and where he was basing uh, in the country of France, he performs on July 25th, 2010, which also happened to be my mom's 66th birthday. Um, and and again, this plagued thing, which things out of his control and things that are totally in his control and things that he's completely responsible for, um, <laughs> mercifully comes to an end. Um, uh, there was some really bad problems with the stage lighting at this show, uh, and the show didn't start started like at literally an, an, an hour, more than an hour after it was announced to, 
And that's the thing. It's kind of like that's so, you know, with Prince, it's like, oh, this shit's starting an hour later. But, hey, it's Prince. So it's like I, you'd wait all day and you know you're going to get something that's going to be um, incredible. But it's just, it really kind of, I feel like that this mood and all this, this isn't just, you know, I've done a lot of tours in my life and there's always problems. There's problems at every show. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not picking this apart here. I assure you as somebody that has done and been on the road uh, for major tours for many years, for months and weeks at a time. Uh, this isn't me going, oh, uh, there wasn't, there were brown M&Ms backstage. What's going on here? No, this is uh stuff that uh, is out of the norm um, the, the, and also to happen at this rate and at this frequency. And again, a lot of it has to do with just his kind of nature of doing things, you know, kind of on the fly. But again, what we're talking about here, of course, is the Welcome to America record and time and tour. Maybe why it didn't come out uh, when it was originally going to back then. We're trying to shape his ideals, his mood, his vision for this. And I really feel like that what we're pulling from from this and what we're, what we're building here is going to uh, illuminate that. And that's just something, again, like I said, I, I haven't seen done yet. So uh, I took matters into my own hands. So I hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, this is and that's going to wrap up part one. Uh, thanks so much to my guest, DJ UMB, and of course, Edgar Cruz, the the, the toxic twins that have created the, uh, the Prince Mega uh, Twitter threads that I'm glad to be a part of uh, as part of this collective called Purple Avengers. I hope you'll check that out for sure. But coming in to part two, we've got a lot more coming, man. Uh, we're going to skip ahead to October 2010 when he actually announces the Welcome to America tour. We're going to volley back and forth. We're going to revisit a little bit more of the 2010 tour in Europe. And there's a lot more to say about that. Lots more uh, guests. Again, like I said, the, 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 whenever he announces the tour, I was actually there present in New York City. But we've got Maya McLean, of course, one half of the Twins. Uh, we got D'Angela Duff, who, of course, does these great symposiums and lots, lots more. So, so come on back for part two of our special Welcome to America series. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio. Created, directed, edited, and mastered by Roy Turner. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Prince the Encore is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Tabby Cat. Follow us on Twitter at TrickyKid2 and at Cat underscore Tabby. You can also follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash DJ TrickyKid or twitch.tv forward slash Tabby Cat. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll join us next week. Welcome to America, where you can fail at your job, get fired, rehired, and get a $700 billion tip. Come on in, sit right down, and fill up your pockets, yeah. Mass media, information overload. Welcome to America. Distracted by the features of the iPhone. Got an application In other words, situation. taken by a pretty face. Somebody's watching you. Welcome to America. Hook up later at the iPad. We can 
meet in my place. says is here. We will not raise your taxes. Read our lips. Welcome to America. was a thing called jazz. Think today's music will last. Welcome to America. Hope and change. Everything takes forever. And truth is a new minority. Oh, welcome to America. Bass players, not purses. Keep playing, it gets worse. 